Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome once again to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. Same idea as last week. Brian Prudhomme, Steve Potosha in studio. Dave Cook is once again a traveling man. Steve Potosha traveled in just a few minutes ago. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Brian. I feel like I should headbutt the microphone or something since Dave's not here. You know, he usually likes to start off with something a little quirky. So Right, or at least roll <laughs> six, seven feet back from your microphone or hit yourself in the ear with the headset. Hello. I do miss his mannerisms, but I don't have to miss his voice because it's right with us. Dave Cook, good morning, sir. Wow, what an intro. Right? <laughs> Match that. Well, well, how are you gentlemen? I'm doing well. How are you? Good morning. We are in a rainstorm, at a funeral, in a convent. Wow. Trifecta. Now, that's a derby term from last week. Have you learned anything? Yeah, right. Win show place, right? Yes, there you go. It was close. It's win place show, but you got three for three. You just didn't have the order right, so that's par for the course. Been there before, yep, yep. Absolutely. Happy opening fishing to everybody who celebrates. We're going to take some different angles, if you will, on sports. Because, again, this is Minnesota, and we're very good at watching our own bobber. We don't always uh, give credit to the opponent. We are more apt to rip our own teams, and we may do some of that here today. Because the Minnesota Twins, let's just start there real quick, because football once again stole the show this week. But the Minnesota Twins have looked awful offensively for basically May. And I know today is the 13th, so there's time to turn it around. Maybe you don't have to turn too far with first place still being part of who you are. But that's thanks to a really terrible division and the fact that they pitch well enough to stay in games because their offense is offensive right now. Boy, I wish my Yankees were in the AL Central. I will tell right. you that. Your last place Yankees would be in first. First place yeah. in the AL Central. By a half game, they would be just yeah. ahead of the Twins. Right. So, boy, it'd sure be nice to be there. Yeah, the but, American League Central looks like the American League Central, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, you know... Michael A. Taylor's done a great job, but when does Byron Buxton play in the outfield? You know what I mean? Like, you got this guy who's got so much money, making so much money. How does he not play all the time? Right. Well, and Dave, I want to go to you for that because partly because there's a lot of noise behind you, so I just want you to be able to speak and make the right noise. But with the Minnesota Twins and Byron Buxton specifically, Steve makes a good point, and I think it was Justin Morneau or maybe even Dontrell Willis on the Apple TV broadcast last night who said, you know, Buxton's in another one of those 0 for 20-plus stretches. Yes, he's drawing walks, and that helps, no question. But we talk about taking batted bats into the field or being able to overcome it by doing something well in the field and then being able to have a quality at bat. At some point, I know it's super risky, and that's why they're not doing it, but do you have to play Byron Buxton for a game in center field just to say, hey, you can contribute, and it gets out of your head that you're not, and maybe the offense comes around too? Maybe. I mean, you know my feelings on designated hitters. They're just players who can't play anymore, but they can still hit. Problem with Buxton is hitting's never been his greatest strength, right? It's been speed and defense. So you've taken the two thirds that make him a superstar and you put them on the on the on the back burner and you and you ask him to be somebody who he can be, right? But he's not he's not a guy that's going to hit three thirty with twenty home runs. He's your two fourteen, you know. Hopefully, hits thirty and steals a base here and there. And that hasn't been here. That hasn't been available this year either. Does your DH need it's to hit three thirty anymore? Guy. No, absolutely. Well, that's true. You have to find a few DHs that can maybe. 
Well, and right now the DH stands for designated humiliation because the at-bats just have no quality at all. It's one thing to make outs, and it's one thing to, you know, get robbed on a hard-hit ball. We have all this exit velocity, all these different stats, analytics available to us. Last night was three infield pop-ups and a walk. And the infield pop-ups, I mean, it was recognized in a breaking ball, but it wasn't coming close to barreling it up, as they'll tell you. So I wanted to talk to head coach or former bench coach, I should say, Joe Vavra, and talk about Minnesota Twins hitting. We weren't able to connect this week, and I hope that we're able to do it next week because I wanted to ask him, you know, how much of it is mechanics, how much of it is mental. But I think what I really wanted to ask him, Dave, was how likely is it that eight, nine guys go into a slump? We're picking on Bunkstead right now. You could pick anybody, basically not named Jorge Polanco, and even that's more of a stretch of who's not struggling, maybe Kirilov, but seven, eight other guys certainly are. I think, Steve, we just heard a, the new nickname for Byron, Bungston, because that's, that's uh, what <laughs> that's it's how kind he's of playing. been over the last little bit, yeah. Um, no, I, you see it every so often, though, Brian, where uh, you know one bad bat leads to another, leads to another, and we've seen it on pitching staffs, too, where one bad start leads to another, to another. Steve, I don't know what you're going to complain about at, at the trading deadline. They get, their, their pitching's okay. I know. So I, that, what are they going to do? You're 100% right, Dave. It's been the one thing that they've needed to put the money into for years, and they finally have, and now what do you know? The bats go away. Right. Isn't this perfectly Minnesota? You guys know how I love that word as an adjective. So they finally get to the pot of gold, per se, in the pitching department because just about every starter, and they've even had two go out long term, just about every starter has been better than serviceable. The bullpen has been okay I would say better than okay, but they've blown some leads. But, again, the way the offense is, the bullpen has to come in and be perfect. And that's not always easy to do anytime you're on the mound. This team can pitch. It's the only reason they're in first place. It's the only reason that they're in games. You can't talk about the deadline on May 13th, but we are going to a little bit. Are we going to be griping that we, oh, we just need to pick up seven hitters and we're right there? No, I think think that some of these guys will come back around. But, you know, all offseason we were talking about longer starts and who, could anybody do this for the Twins and how the bullpen will need to be absolutely nailed if they don't start, you know, if the starters don't go past four innings again. Well, the starters really have made a difference because the bullpen, like you said, is still okay, but it only needs to be okay for an inning or two rather than five. Well, and, and let's be honest, Major League Pitching is a war of attrition, right? So you've got Molly who just w- went out injured. Right. Uh, uh, you know, how, how healthy can your staff stay? You know I mean? And, you know, you do have, you have done a good job of building your major league staff this year, but we all know that they don't have the depth in the, in the farm system. If anything really goes wrong injury wise or, or, you know, who knows well, or what do else. They, because they've already basically supplemented their pitching staff with two guys that have come up and produced well with Ober and Varlin. Now to say you can't use three, four guys from the minors to supplement your starting rotation. Yeah, that makes sense. But that makes sense for everybody. Right, you can't lose Lopez, and you can't lose Ryan. And right, you can't lose Gray and Sunny Gray. Yep, yeah, and so that's those are the guys you really can't afford to lose, and you can't replace. So we can say that the Minnesota Twins' offense isn't exactly on schedule, but let's talk a little bit of schedule because I said even in a week in May where baseball and the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs should be at the forefront of most sports fans, football managed to steal the show in just one day or maybe two because we can talk about schedule leaks and just when it actually comes out, but. Next year's, and by next year, I mean four months from now, basically, NFL schedule was released on Thursday. So as we do every year, Dave Cook, it's time to do the way too early. You like to do it with the draft. I like to do the way too early win-loss predictions for the Minnesota Vikings. So you're ready to do that? And how much purple oh positivity God. are we going to have? 
We are the cult of purple positivity, I think, Brian. Uh, yeah, I'm already got schedules sitting right here in front of me, and, and we're ready to go. Steve will be good at this. I'm probably too pessimistic. Well, and I might be too optimistic, so it should be fun to find a balancing point between the three of us. One thing for sure, I think it's got to be better than the segment we heard just in front of us where you had the ultimate purple positivity with Trent Tucker, and then you had Dave Sinekin, where all you have to do is say Dave Sinekin and know the Vikings got zero credit. So we'll see what we come up with as a trio for the Vikings. I like to think I am the Goldilocks of the Northland sports page. Everything is just right? Everything is just right. All right, fair enough. (laughs) What would that make the rest of us, Brian? I was going to say, Dave, you you then have to be Mama Bear. I think I'm still too short. I'm pretty sure I'm Baby Bear. But let's uh, just leave that right there for the better of everyone. All right, so the opening week of the NFL season for the Vikings will be Sunday, September 10th, a noon start potentially against Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at U.S. Bank Stadium. This doesn't require a bunch of analysis from me. If it is Baker Mayfield or even if it isn't, I don't think Tampa Bay you know, just recovers from a Hall of Fame quarterback who wore number 12, hint, hint, same thing could be said from a team in Wisconsin. But I don't think Tampa Bay just goes out and plays very good football that soon. Not going to say Tampa's going to be terrible, but the Vikes get them in the right week. Want to know for Minnesota? Yeah, I think I think you're probably right, although you seem to be underplaying the uh, the quarterback that is Kyle Trask. Anyways, I think I couldn't even get that out straight. Is there, I was going to say, is there a way to overplay him? I think you just did by getting his name right. I think playing him is the problem. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that uh, I think the only problem the Vikings should have with uh, with Tampa Bay is the interior of their defensive line might eat our offensive line alive. But we have too many weapons, and I think Flores is going to flex a little bit in Week One. I do think the Vikings are one and zero. I agree with you, Dave. I think they're one and zero. I think, and they better be because of the next week when they're going into the uh, Vipers Pit, uh, that is Philadelphia. Uh, you don't want to go in there 0-1 to, to start off. But I agree with you. I think that the the, uh, the transition to a new quarterback in Tampa Bay is just too much to overcome in week one of the NFL. Now, I think that's interesting because, Dave, you poked fun at me because you thought I said Bungston when I said Buxton. Steve just said new quarterback. I swore he said nude quarterback. And I thought, well, Dave loves Baker Mayfield. I didn't know he loved him that much. But and You never know with Baker. He could be. So the Vikings don't get a whole lot of time to savor that first win over Tampa Bay because they go to Philly in week two, but they literally don't get a bunch of time because that's a Thursday night game. 7-15 in Philly. Again, one for me that doesn't require a bunch of analysis. Philadelphia was much better than the Vikings last year. In the offseason and the draft, to me, Philly's gotten better. I'm not sure the Vikings have. So the gap between Philadelphia and Minnesota, to me, is bigger. This is an L. For the second year in a row, the Vikings are 1-1 one and one with a Week 2 loss of Philadelphia. Yeah, I think you're right with the record, Brian. I think the Vikings were totally humiliated last year. I think that uh, we're going to see a little bit more from the Vikings. I do think they lose this game, but I don't think it's going to be the, you know, the awful butt, butt kicking. There, I got butt there instead. Uh, kicking that they got last year. I don't think they're going to get embarrassed. That's right. That was good editing by you. I was going to call it a feces show, and everybody understood what I was going to say as well. Week yeah. three is a is a difficult one in a way. I'm going to lean home team, which is the Vikings. They host the L.A. Chargers. I'm proud of myself for not calling them San Diego. My analysis is simple with this one. I like both of these teams, and it doesn't surprise me that I like both of them because they're so similar. To me, the Chargers are kind of the AFC Vikings. They've got weapons at all the skill positions. They've got a defense that's iffy. In one-score games, they usually find a way to get beat. Now, granted, Kevin O'Connell kind of switched that narrative last year from the Mike Zimmer final season. But it's going to come down to a last possession. And give me the Vikes only because they're at home, so I've got them at 2-1. and one. 
So this this game bugs me a little because this I think is our really our first real test of Flores because our defensive backs are all you know twelve years old just got their driver's license and now we're going to go face well, we're going to face a wide receiver set uh, that is three and four deep with a quarterback who knows how to play um, and it's the Eric Kendricks bowl don't forget about that if it's a one score game you watch Kendricks makes an interception to seal it I'm picking this one as a loss Brian. I agree with you, Dave. I, I think Herbert's too good. I think he's going to be on a mission this year. I think that offense has a lot of weapons, and I think it's it's too early in the year for that defense to uh, to to shut down. You know what's arguably going to be one of the better offenses in the NFL. This they always year. are. The only thing that I'll give the Vikings a lean on to, and I'm sticking with them winning that game, is two coaches. Now KOC doesn't have a ton of experience, but I'll take Kevin O'Connell against Staley in the heat of a moment. Staley's been a little goofy before, so let's see what happens there. Carolina Panthers are next in Carolina. I don't usually like the Vikings on the road. I think the Adam Thielen Bowl will add an element for sure. How much, I don't know. The script would tell me you're going to face a number one pick style quarterback who will probably struggle out of the gates and leave it to the Vikings to be the first game where that quarterback figures it out. My head wants to say that. My heart says the Vikings are better than Carolina. Just go with that. So I'm out of the gate a little too positive, but I've got them winning again. They're 3-1. and one. I think the if this game is in Minneapolis, I think Carolina wins. But I think being down there, the Thielen Bowl is going to have a whole lot less horsepower. The Vikings are the better team. I have the Vikings win. We're 2-2 two and two after wow. four. How's that for a different uh, way of legitimizing that? If well, it's a road game for Carolina, he likes them, but at home they lose. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm the negative one here because I don't think they do win. I think that, again, you go back to that young young defense and, and a new defense and Bryce Young might be a young quarterback, but for everything they say about him, his preparation and what he what he knows about it, an NFL game plan already um, is is lights out. And I think early in a year when when it's a lot of a lot of it's scripted, I think I think that plays into Bryce Young's uh, plays plays to his advantage. And I think being at home uh, also does. So I, I got the Vikes at one and three right now. All right, so I'm at three and one. And Dave, are you the Goldilocks in this scenario? You're at two and two, right in the middle. Yep. All right, so week five, it's home to the Chiefs, 325 start. The Vikings don't deserve the petty analysis I'm going to give here, but it's the Super Bowl champions. It's Patrick Mahomes, it's Travis Kelsey, and it's a whole lot of other weapons, some we know, and it seems like every year they find one we don't know. On that surface, against an unpredictable defense, and unpredictable for the Vikings right now is being kind. That's hoping that Brian Flores can get them to do a lot of things they didn't do a year ago. I don't think this is very close. I should know better because Vikings games just are, but give me the Chiefs. So I'm going to be the ridiculous one here. So this is going to be the Brian Flores, I want to be a head coach next year uh, game. His defense is going to come ready to go. Kansas City doesn't have the same amount of weapons they had a few years ago. Um, I think the Vikings pull this one off. I looked at it and I said, you know, shoot, if they're going to win one game going over their head, it's going to be against Kansas City. That's a win. Yeah, I can't do it. I just think that that offense is too too explosive. Um, you know, that team is too good. Unfortunately, I got the Vikes, you know, coming out of week five, one and four. All right, so we'll have to do a mental health check on Steve Patosha at that point in the season. <laughs> week six is at Chicago. That's a place that historically can be called the house of horrors for the Vikings, not necessarily recently. I will tell you this. I'm not on board the Justin Fields hype train. He can run like crazy. He is an athlete. But to me, he looks like Vikings Donovan McNabb, where most throws are sliders in the dirt. His best passing performance last season came against the Vikings, which the three of us probably could have had good pitch and catch numbers against that defense. But all of that said, 
And Kevin O'Connell's trying to erase this, but my heart can't get past. The Vikings always drop one that you go, how did they lose that? And I think it's going to be this one. So I got them losing two in a row, kind of a back to reality, and they lose to the Bears in Chicago. It's a noon start, though, so Kirk will be better as the narrative goes. So my call of them uh, beating the Chiefs automatically means they're going to come in with their buttons polished and ready to go, and the Bears are going to run them out. I have this as a loss. I've actually got them bouncing back from a couple of losses here now and winning against Chicago. I just don't think Chicago is very good. I think they're building something there. I think they've they've brought in some nice pieces, and I think they, you know we got to right. worry about them in a year or two, but I don't think this is the year. The hype is too far too soon. It reminds me of the hype surrounding Detroit going into last year where the Lions have the hype now again, but last year they were supposed to have set hype and started out 1-6. and six. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bears do something similar. You don't go from 3-14 and 14 in the number one pick to a contender. I just don't see it. I but I said all of that and just said the Vikings go there and lose. So go figure. So, Dave, I think you and I have them both at 500 going into a home game, a Monday night yep. home game against San Francisco. Now, on paper, which is exactly where we're doing this, obviously, beating the 49ers and losing to the Bears, everything about that sounds like it should be flipped. But I've got them beating the 49ers because they come in, in my world, off a two-game losing streak at home, Monday night, defeat a Kirk narrative. Don't know who the Niners quarterback's going to be. Flores would love to flex against the offensive guru in Kyle Shanahan. So I'll give the Vikings a W that they probably shouldn't get. Dave, I think this game yeah. I think this game is a game. We're going to know how good of, of a def- defense Minnesota has, whether or not they have knocked a quarterback out of the out of the out for the season. Well, that's yet at the this key, point. you know. So <laughs> I think going yeah. to go up into San Francisco, nope. if they can take a quarterback out, then then Purdy's in big trouble. Um, yeah, I, but I, 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 I think don't think right they're going to win this. I don't think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to drop to two and five here. I, I think Steve's got a point, Brian. I think that if the uh, if the uh, if San Francisco comes in unprepared and the Minnesota uh, defensive line puts pressure on, hits a quarterback that has a bum elbow and and he uh, he's out of the game, I think they have a good shot at that as well. However, I think the 49ers win this game. All right. So Dave's at three and four. Steve, where are you? Two and five. Two, Two and five, five. Right now. And I'm uh, Mr. Positivity at four and three. At the Packers, this is not a Green Bay team that I think a lot of people are going to think will do a lot of things. Similar to Tampa Bay, you just don't lose a Hall of Fame quarterback wearing number 12 and, and the beat doesn't go on. But I remember thinking exactly that when they lost Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers came in. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers was very good his first season. The rest of the team wasn't, and they struggled. I don't know what Jordan Love has. I don't really know what Jordan Love has around him. But again, I'm going by historical script here. Jordan Love in Lambeau against who we think at least is a bitter rival, although Packer fans will tell you it's the Bears. I think Jordan Love and the Packers win this one. That's the toughest one on the schedule, Brian, because part of me, the the part, the logic part of me agrees with you. Um but I just think they're going to go in and win this game. I, there's something in the heart that says this is a win. Yeah, Dave, I agree with you. I think this is the part of the schedule now when I when I, I put my, my purple hat back on and I, I refill my purple Kool-Aid, and I think they start to go on a little bit of a run. I mean, they're they're not going to you know run out the rest of the season here, but I think this is where that team starts to mesh. Flores' uh, um, you know, touch on that defense really starts to uh, really show its, show itself. And uh, I, th- I, th- I think we start to see the team come together here, and it starts with beating the Packers in Lambeau. All right. So I disagree with the results, but I agree with Steve's kind of secondary sentence there when he said this can be when this team goes on a run. I think it will be. After they lose to Green Bay, I think that's going to be the wake-up call at the proverbial halfway point, although 
The halfway point's tougher to find. Halftime of game nine, I guess, when you're playing a 17-game season. But this is the part of the schedule starting in November that I like for the Vikes. Week nine at Atlanta. Yes, it's a road game. Yes, Atlanta has speed. Yes, it's a fast surface. But Atlanta's not very good personnel-wise. I just don't think, and I know the Vikings, you know, perennially have struggled against mobile quarterbacks, but Desmond Ritter doesn't scare me at least yet. I'll give him a win at Atlanta. I got him a game over 500 after nine games. This is um, this one feels like a loss to me, Brian, and I think it has more to do with historical over Atlanta because Atlanta seems to have our number. Um, but you know, I I agree with what you said. I I just think the Vikings can out talent Atlanta right at this point. This is a win. I I think that they're going to go into Atlanta and win this one. I I I don't I agree with you. Desmond Ritter is not the he is not the uh, he's not scaring anybody right now. Right. And I'll bet you they got a whole new receiving core in there for a reason. And the, I just think that this is this is the Falcons is a, is a win for them. I think we're just not used to having to say who does Atlanta have, and I feel like when you look at their roster, you go, who plays for Atlanta now anyway? That team is in an awkward rebuild. You're not even really sure what they're building around. They tried Mariota, they didn't stick with it. I'm a little surprised with all the quarterbacks available this year that they basically decided we're going to stick with Ritter. I'm not sure they know what direction they're going. Well, what about Pitts? I mean, they, they brought Pitts in and they haven't you, right. they haven't focused on him. We, we we thought we were going to see the next you know Travis Kelsey right. or, or or something along those lines, and, and they haven't used them. Instead, isn't that the Pitts? Week ten, the Vikings come home. There are a lot of teams that we say, well, they always beat us. I think the New Orleans Saints have to look at the Minnesota Vikings and think that same thing. Basically, life since the 09 NFC title game. Yes, I know it was played in January of ten, but since the 09 title game. It's just been not so fast, New Orleans. We're going to let Minnesota have another one. We can apply that theory here, but we can also do it because I think the Vikings are just better. I don't think Michael Thomas stays healthy. I like Derek Carr. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting game in the sense that there are a lot of pundits that think Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are kind of mirror images. But I just think the Vikings are flat out better, plus they're at home. Dave, I don't think I don't yeah. think that the Vikings lose this game, and I, I and whether or not it's because of David Carr. I think this is probably the time of the year, or whether Derek or not Carr. that team. David Carr yeah, won't yeah, have right. much to say about it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in Dave's spot. Yes, it happens. It's but infectious. With, with Derek Carr, I think that that you know this is the time of year that where you're going to either see this team in New Orleans take off because they they rally around Derek, Derek Carr, Carr yeah. or you'll see this team go the complete opposite direction because they don't want to deal with Derek Carr's stick. And Dave, I'm interested to see what you think because I'm an Alvin Kamara fan, but you kind of said it's it's the corpse of what's left of his career. So what does New Orleans have? Yeah, see, that's, that last sentence is where I was going to start with. What does New Orleans have? Like they got Olave and they've got the ghost of Kamara and uh, Michael Thomas, who we haven't really seen in two and a half years. And Derek Carr, who can get flushed out of the pocket and, and flustered. I think the Vikings win this because what you said about Atlanta. I don't even know who they have on the team. And, and that's, so I'm going to go there, this one, and it's a win for the Vikings. The only reason that I know Saints personnel fairly well is twofold. Number one, they did play the Vikings in London last year. And the Vikings won another somewhat miraculous with a double doink miss. They got a victory that maybe they shouldn't have. So that's one reason I know Saints personnel, because I watched them against us last year. The other one is, Pitt, you and I had a fantasy team together for Town Square Media that had plenty of Saints, and we sucked. We were not good, that's for sure. (laughs) So the Vikings will beat a Saints team that we don't think will be very good. The next week scares the devil out of me. It's Sunday night at Mile High against the Broncos, and not just because our buddy Topher Davis will probably be there cheering for the wrong team, but I just don't know what to expect here either. You know, you can apply 
the Saints theory to Sean Payton and say, you know, you got lucky in that NFC title game, so the Vikings will own you from here out. Steve, you think that Sean Payton is the improvement Russell Wilson's going to need? It's a road game in prime time. I think, I think you the do know what to expect here. That's why you're that's why you're having a hard time with this one. I think the one. Vikings are better than the Broncos, but I think the Broncos beat the Vikings in this particular game. I agree with you. I think that uh, Sean Payton has got to – and then we talked about Flores flexing. This has got to be the game that Sean, Sean Payton gets his team to flex a little bit. Uh, it, this one feels wrong. I think this is a loss. Well, and Mr. Unlimited, he's got to uh, – Unlimited. He's got to show up too. I mean – he, his his act grew real tired with that organization last year, yeah. not to mention the fan base. Broncos so. fans would have rather had Wilson from Castaway than Russell Wilson. 100%. So. I, but I do think that they win this one. I think the Broncos beat the Vikings. I think this is one of the last uh, hiccups in the Vikings schedule, but uh, I, I, I think it's too much to overcome that road game, playing at mile high, and I think what Peyton's going to bring to this team. All right, so we are 11 games in. we got about five minutes left to wrap this up. I've got them at 6-5. and five. Dave, where are you at this point? Yeah, I think I'm the reverse. I think I got on five and six. I do as well, five and six. All right, week 12, Monday night, home to the Chicago Bears. Monday night, Kirk narrative, we'll hear too much of that. I just don't see this team getting swept by the Bears. I waffled over, will they really lose at Soldier Field? I said yes. I'm not even going to think about that, losing in Minneapolis. Vikings win. Um, I have the Vikings running the Bears out of the building on this one because I had them losing the, the early game, and I think this is going to be one of those games that they just say, nope, we're going to run. This one, they're, they're going to get boat raced. The Vikings win big. Yeah, I don't know if they'll win big or not. I think that, you know, you'll they be, never you'll, do. You'll find, a, <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll find a team that I think that's going to be tired and, and looking to get into the bye. So that part of it scares me a little bit. The fact that it's a primetime game and Kirk Cousins is your quarterback scares me a little bit. Right. Um, but I do think the Vikes win this one. I think on my on, on my record here, they get to 500 finally. Uh, just because I uh, like we talked about the first time, the Bears are just that bad. All right, so seven and five for me, six and six for the two of you. It is a late season bye. We can talk when we get there later this winter. By then, whether or not that's a good thing for this team, it'll all depend on where they're at. Week 14, not unlike the Denver game, must be something about this division and going on the road. Now, it sounds great if Town Square Media wants to send us down to cover this at Vegas in December. Sign me right up. At Vegas in December from a football perspective, I'm not sure. Jimmy G, I'm not a huge fan of, but he finds a way to win. Devontae Adams against what we think this secondary could look like could honestly have 250. But other than that, I'm not sure Vegas has enough. And I've gone back and forth on this one a lot. I'm going to be kind today. Circa Denny Anderson, I'm going to give them a win. Did you did you read the uh, or listen to any of Bill Guerin's after the, po- the postseason uh conversations that he had about his mistake and uh, his mistake going into Vegas I did. at the end of the season for the Wild. I did. So the worst possible thing that could happen is the bye week before going to Las Vegas. Um, this is We're in trouble. We're going to lose this game. <clears throat> I disagree. I think you've got a, 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 a brilliant quarter, or a head coach uh, that's going to have a heck of a – I think you, anytime you can give a guy like that an extra week to prepare – um, I think I think they're going to come out of this with a win. I also think that you know the NFL in Las Vegas and sports now is just it's not it's not what it used to be. I think they think they've got a, a pretty good handle on keeping these guys out of out of the sports books and right. out, of, out of the casinos. The and they're just, there for business. They'll just not have to associate with the lions that they run into in Vegas betting on the games that are going on during that bye week. Cause yeah. we know Detroit will have players there. I don't think this team is built to win too many road games this year, but I do think that this is one that they will win. And they go to seven and six on my on my board. All right. 
Eight and five for me, seven and six for the two of you, I believe. Or Dave, are you under five hundred now? No, I'm under five hundred. We're going to change that here in a bit. Okay, interesting because for me this is an L because there's a lot of TBD here. There's no date. There's no time. We do know week fifteen is at Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I just don't think the Vikings have a shot against a passing offense that good and a defensive unit that's underrated. Not built to win road games. I agree with Pitt. This is a tough one. No chance. Yeah, this is a tough one for me too. Plus, it's gonna be it's the first week of December, second week of December, right? Uh, it's going to be uh, frigid in Cincinnati. We are no longer a cold weather team, no, regardless what it looks like when you get in your car. The the stadium's perfect. I think the uh, I think they lose this one. Yeah, I agree. I think that Cincinnati's too good. You know, they've been in two consecutive title games, and they've you know they've they've there's just too much talent, too much depth on that football right. team. They're going to be a Super Bowl contender unless the run game is dead because Joe Mixon can't stay out of hot water. That might help a little, but they can pass all over. Exactly. So Christmas Eve at home, sound familiar? We did that last year. We even did a show prior to it. It was the miracle lengthy field goal against the Giants. How will the Vikings affect our holiday mood this year? Home to the Lions, which could have a lot to say about how this division shakes out. I think with the Lions and Vikings, it's as simple as, and this is not in-depth research, and maybe it's because we're up against a break already, but I'm going to, spoiler alert, give the Vikings a win at home against the Lions and lose at Detroit in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the win. I think this. I think the Vikings are going to come out scorching. I I really love the Lions. I liked them last year. I think they're really good this year. But having an emotional coach like that, Brian, if they struggle any place, uh, that team could death spiral. And if they're anywhere close to that, I think that I think the Vikings win this one. Right. And Steve, talk about a house of horrors for Dan Campbell. That's been U.S. Bank. Oh, it has absolutely. I think it's it's especially late in December. It's tough to win on the road in the NFL, and I think this is another example of that. You know they'll they'll have the pressures of the division. You know coming down to what's happening in the division at this point. I I, I do think the Vikes win this one. I, I think they split the season series, but I think they right. get them on this one. Same thing I said, splitting with Detroit. Ironically, though, the final three games for the Vikings are all indoors. That doesn't hurt the way that this team is built. New Year's Eve. Let's end 2023 on a solid note. I think they pound the Packers on a Sunday night to end the calendar year before going into the final game of the year. As I already said, they lose to Detroit. So my final record is ten and seven. Yeah, I uh, I'm picking them to win uh, out. I think they're going to uh, beat the Packers soundly, and I think in a game that's going to matter 100 percent to the Lions on playoffs and all that stuff, the Vikings are going to go play spoiler. I think the Pack lose this game to the Vikes, and the Vikes finish this season nine and eight. All right, so we got ten and seven from me, nine and eight from Pitt. Dave, were you doing enough math to figure out what your final record was? No, but nine and eight, <laughs> I think is the right. All right, so not a whole lot of homerism. Now, the problem with both of you saying 9-8 and eight is that's what Dave Sinekin said. So, well, I don't know if you want to hang Minnesota, your head in though, shame we, or not. We need to either be, like I told you before the show, biblically bad so we can get a top draft pick or, you know, be great and win the Super Bowl. However, we're going to Minnesota and we're going to be right in the middle. Right. And it all makes sense because I think among the three of us, I'm just slightly more positive than both of you. So, I'm one game better than each of you. Thank you, Dave Cook. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I look forward to next Saturday. Have you back in that chair. It'll be nice. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. Bye, Dave. That is Dave Cook, once again, the traveling man that is my co-host. We're going to talk to Bill Watson, talk a little NHL lottery, and talk a little NHL playoffs. Are both rigged? We'll talk about it when we come back. Stick around. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Little Billy Jean is not my lover from the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Apparently, Bill Watson doesn't love us either. It's Brian Prudhomme, Steve Petosha. Back here on the Northland Sports page, thank you again to Dave Cook as he continues multiple weekends of travel. Still making time for us in that opening segment so we could go through the Vikings schedule release and give our early predictions. Speaking of release, hopefully none of the good fish get away from you, those that may be enjoying opening fishing. Steve Petosha earlier this week admitted to me in a text that all you do is fish for compliments. What do you got for opening fishing? <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, you know... One year we went up to opening fishing up at Crescent Lake, up the Sawbill Trail, up the North Shore, and uh, you know, we've been fishing for a while and realized that the ice had only sunk below the water, and we weren't really fishing because the ice was not gone yet. So I typically wait now till the water warms up a little right. bit, and it's actually more When's enjoyable. When's the last time you fished? Did you fish last summer? Oh, yeah, last summer. Okay. Yeah, we got a place up on Island Lake, so we okay. Because well, we quite fished, a bit. I fished a ton as a kid. I had two uncles that were very into it, one that lived on Schultz Lake and the other that basically went to any lake. He was basically Renshaw's version of Babe Winkleman, if that rings a bell. So I fished a lot as a kid. As I got older, almost never. Something I'd like to get back into, I say that now. I'm worried about when I get out there, I'd go, okay, I've had enough. Let's go watch a baseball game or something. Well, they actually, listening to listening to baseball on the radio is one of my favorite right. things to do while fishing. So, uh, yeah, I, I love to fish. It's one of the most relaxing things to do, whether that's in a boat on a lake or in a river along the North Shore or even casting on the Lake Superior for some loopers. It's, uh, it's always an enjoyable time, if you ask me. Absolutely. So those of us that are not on a lake are stuck watching a lot of postseason that doesn't involve Minnesota, both in the NBA and the NHL. We wanted to talk to Bill Watson we got his voicemail a handful of times, so if he's listening, please give us a call. Check your text messages. I gave you the studio line to call us and still make it happen. He was available at 9.30, said he'd be ready at 10.30, but apparently 10.33 didn't work, so maybe that's my fault. But at the same time, we wanted to talk to him because the NHL lottery was held, and Bill Watson obviously has a link to the Chicago Blackhawks from his pro career, and I wanted to get his feeling on it because my guess is anybody with an affiliation to the Blackhawks is pleased. Everybody else, I rolled it because it happened this week. We'd been calling it for months. Well, right. And I mean, anybody who watches or follows the NHL knew that Chicago was going to end up with this. Right. Pick. You don't. You don't lose two generational talents all in the same year and then not expect the league to replace that. Right. I mean, the league will deny that that's ever the case, and and it, and it you know maybe this is legit, but. I mean, come on. We all predicted it, that, they, that he was going to end up in Chicago, right? We did all predict it, and I wonder if the sport predicted it for us because it is Mother's Day weekend, and my mom used to tell me more than anybody in my life that I don't know why you get so into this. Sports is rigged. Sports is rigged, and I roll it. And I go, you know, look at the unfathomable ways some teams win and lose. You cannot tell me that this is rigged. I looked at the NHL lottery the other night, and I went, oh. We, we have the audacity to give Dave, Dave Cook you know, give them the business because of the uh, World Wrestling Federation. Right. Or I always tell them I like now. movies too. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then this sort of stuff happens and, you know, very reminiscent of Patrick Ewing going to the Knicks, wasn't it? Right. Or the fact that, you know, Tim Duncan got to join David Robinson and, you know, oh, by the way, Cleveland got the number one pick when the kid out of Ohio was available. It all works out super well. So it's not confined to the NHL, but the fact that, one of the most, if not the most, traditional team in the league was in the lottery after years of not having to worry about that. All of a sudden, they get exactly what they need. 
rumor is, of course, if Bedard pans out, we won't see Chicago in the lottery again anytime soon. Well, that is true. I mean, the kid is dynamite, you know, and then, you know, the only knock on him is that he's 5'10 and 185 pounds. Right. But we got to remember he's re- re- replacing a guy that was 5'10, 175 pounds. So I think uh, I think they're OK with the undersized guys in Chicago, um, as Patrick Kane has done a heck of a job there right. for for some time. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, to, to score 143 points, 71 of those goals in the in the Western Hockey League last year, uh, at two and a half goals a game. I mean, that's 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 insane. So um, Chicago is going to be lucky, that's for sure. But you know, the second pick in um, Adam Fantilli, you know, out of Chicago, the Hobie Baker winner. Um, you know, he's probably going to go to Anaheim. They're they're not getting a raw deal in this either. That kid's that kid's off the charts good too. Right, but isn't it at least appearing on face value? That Anaheim is a heck of a lot more than one guy away from getting that much better. Where the thought is Chicago may not be true, um, but you know Chicago again is losing essentially losing two right. generational talents. So you know that's not so easy to replace. And, and I think it's unrealistic to expect a rookie to come in and and replace the experience of a Taves and Kane in one year. And isn't it more rare from an NHL perspective for a first round pick to be like, hey, this is going to be immediate. Our team is going to improve because of this. Now, maybe not at number one. I mean, look at Connor McDavid right now, and you can talk about many others. But you look at, you know, the NBA and the NFL. Number one picks, they're supposed to. Don't get me started on whether or not they do. But they're supposed to come in and be impactful immediately. NHL, not as much. Major League Baseball, distant, distant fourth out of the four teams that have, you know, the four leagues that have drafts. Is this rare, though, that we're thinking there's a handful of NHL guys that might be able to come in and contribute immediately? Well, I mean, we've seen it with Jack Hughes. I mean, not that he came in and dominated, but there's another, you know, there's another kid who was, you know, lights out as an 18-year-old that, right. you know, first round pick or first overall pick. Even the Eichel and, draft class was like that yeah, too. Yeah, right, right. So, um, you know. The it, Jack it, Segway it, gave that one to me. It's too, it's, it's, it's the different, the, those different systems. It's, it's tough to say, I guess, to answer that question. I, what I, when I was taught, when we talk about these sort of things, I, I wonder what it would be like if, if basketball had a USHL like development league where a kid who I was going to say just maybe close enough to you know be a stud college player can maybe go develop and and play a little bit different. I, well, I don't know how that looks. Topher to honest, Davis but. and I have gotten into that debate forever because one of my pet peeves that has kind of dissipated, but one of my pet peeves is a situation like a Brock Faber where he lost the national title game and then within a week he's assisting the Wild and in a big way. So maybe I didn't mind it because they needed him and it showed. But I don't like that. That you know, you just got over the devastation of you know your college career, and thinking, oh, you know, come Monday, everything's fine because I'll just go be a pro. I always wish that the NBA had that. You know, UConn had this great run. Well, the Timberwolves could have used one more guy when Jaden McDaniels got hurt. Just slide him in. I do wish it worked that way for multiple sports. I wonder if the, I wonder if the NCAA coaches would like it that way because I mean, think about it. You'd have an opportunity to keep some pretty good, talented kids that are, are rushing after one and dones, right. or, or not even coming to college basketball. All the tweaks that there. have been made in the NCAA, why not one more? Yeah, and with the portal, I mean, really, why not one more? Why not let a kid get drafted and then, you know, if, if, if there's a college that's developing with the with the NIL stuff, name it, yeah, NIL yeah. stuff. I always I was gonna say that in the NLI, the National Letter of Intent, <laughs> yeah, like, that those, baffles me every time. But the NIL stuff and. You know why? Why not? You know, the, you, for, give these kids an opportunity to number one, you know, start an education path, um, let them mature a little bit. If nothing else, give them, you know, start that education path with how you're going to handle, you know, millions of dollars. Right. You know, I mean that that's got to be something too when you're, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old. And you've gone to one year of college and now they've just handed you over seventy million dollars. I mean, 
What, what would you do with that? You I was going to say, I, mean, I went just, to college at the wrong time or <laughs> yeah, exactly. had the wrong talent. Nobody was pining for a play-by-play guy when I was a college sophomore, put it that way. <laughs> no doubt, right? So. so talking a little bit about the Chicago Blackhawks getting the top pick in the NHL lottery to the surprise of nobody. Seemingly bad news for the rest of the Central Division. We'll see how the Wild and company can react in a season from now. And Bill Guerin has, you know, again, the fishing pun of watch your own bobber, has plenty of adjustments to make on his own roster before he even can sweat what anybody else is doing, Blackhawks included among many. I want to talk a little bit about the teams that are still playing because to me that puts a bit of an end to the sports is rigged idea, unless you're a Maple Leafs fan because they are used to devastating losses and they got another last night to end their season. But I laughed on Twitter because obviously I have a lot of local followers and local accounts that I follow. And a lot of Minnesotans said, imagine being a Maple Leafs fan. And my response was, what? <laughs> you you basically are. It, in every sport not called the Lynx in the WNBA. Why are you saying, oh my gosh, I can't imagine this heartbreak? Yes, you can. Every season, every year, yes, you can. <laughs> every season, every sport, every yes. year. Yes. Yes. I... Uh, I, we've talked about it before. I'm, I, it's not that I'm anti-Maple Leafs, but I do no, get a kick No, it's Misery out of, Loves Company is what I it is. I do love the memes. That I'm come doing up. my Chris Broussard impersonation. I'm fired up. Yeah, you, you sure are. I got one sent to me last night, and it had the guys who bring out the Stanley Cup, and it had a Maple Leafs golf bag on it right. instead of the cup. Is right. what, just, those things crack me up. Those are great. So, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, Meanwhile, the Wilders get passes to Dave and Busters. They don't even get golf bags because it's too cold when they're done. Ain't that the truth. So, but what a job by Florida to come back and, and, right. or I shouldn't even say come back. They dominated that series, winning at four to one. But yeah, the, I mean, the NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, they never, they never disappoint. Although, you know, if you can separate yourself from your own team, they never disappoint. Right. They never disappoint they because always disappoint. we already were disappointed at this point. Put it that way. So you've got Florida moving on, Carolina moving on, Vegas on the brink of moving on, Dallas on the brink of moving on. In the West, do you expect both of those to finish what they've started? The two leading will finish? Yeah, I, I have a hard time not betting on on the goaltending in Dallas. They, right. He's done such a great job, the one hiccup, but I, I think he's been just lights out for two two years, really. And and Vegas, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been there before and they've done it, so I, I got a little bit of more faith in them versus Edmonton. Um, I mean, the poor NHL when it comes to ratings, right? I mean, you've got... You're going to have Florida and Carolina, two real traditional hockey powers right there. Yeah, we're going to get to that uh, and later. Then, and then Vegas and Dallas. You know, I mean, Dallas obviously has had a pretty good footprint, and, and Vegas has done a good job since they've started. But again, you know, not two places you're thinking of, uh, of, of pond hockey. So this is an outstanding segue to something in the second hour that I want to talk exactly about. Final question before we move on to big high school news in the sport of volleyball. With who's left, and granted, you can take the two teams that are still trailing in their series as well. Your Stanley Cup winner right now would be who? I, I guess I'm going to go with Dallas. You know, again, the goaltending. I, I, I have, I'm a firm believer in what Ottinger's done this year. So okay, so I know that's who you got. It can't be who you want. Who would you want to see win it? <sighs> Boy, I, I, I'd like to see Edmonton win it. I think those people deserve deserve a little little love up there, and I'd like to see the Canadians get. Uh, Get a little love up there, but they've got a they've got a quite the hill to climb. All right, so who you got? I've got Dallas as well. So there's not a whole lot to make for good radio there. When again, it's you and I talking, and when one of us goes, "Yep, it's not exactly the best <laughs> show ever." Sure. Who I want? I want Florida to win it, just because that Cinderella story needs to end well. And let's face it, society today gets so upset when anything in Florida goes well. I'd just like to see it continue. That the Northland Sports Page continues next. We'll talk some boys volleyball. Big news in the state high school league. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. A little something from the weekend. Back here on the Northland Sports Page. Hope everybody's enjoying their weekend. Good place to enjoy it if you're looking for a good spot for brunch on the weekends. Tavern on the Hill has their new brunch menu from 11 to 2. It's where I plan to be after the show is done today. Take in maybe those mimosas with friends. Problem is, I got to find some friends. Steve Patosha, you got to work today at one of our other sponsors. Otherwise, I'd be hitting you up for that as well. <laughs> yeah, I would love to love to be joining you. That's for sure. It would be interesting. I'm excited to check it out. Tavern has wonderful food for all of the normal meals of the day per se, but now adding brunch on the weekends. Just another feather in their cap. Another reason for me to go there. Hoping to do it again after the show. But we've got plenty of time still left in this show. We'll be here with you until noon. Big news out of the State High School League this week that eventually we'll see how it plays out with different size schools and what season they put it in. But you and I, Steve, have been excited about the concept and the ability to perhaps have boys volleyball, and it looks like it's getting that much closer. I wish they would have had boys volleyball uh, when I we were too. going to school. It would have been a blast blast to be a part of. I know I, I love playing it when we've uh, played before up at you know Skyline, playing the beach stuff and, and that kind of thing. We used to love it in gym class, you know, and, and it was, it was kind of always one of those things where – you know, if they would have had it, I probably would have done it. Now, I love football in the fall and I love baseball in the spring. So where they put that sport, and I certainly wasn't giving up hockey in the winter. So right. uh, where they put that sport will be real interesting to see uh, who they take away from and, and what, what other sports aren't real happy about it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where a different athlete's passion lies. Are they going to want to try something new? Or are they going to stick with what they've been doing? Because volleyball perhaps hasn't been available depending upon where they are. Want to bring in Nikolai Weens. Nikolai has done just about everything at Duluth East for the girls' volleyball side of things. Been a head coach, been an assistant coach. And then on the men's side, he's also played plenty of volleyball. So he's got to be at least a little bit excited about this news. Nikolai, from your perspective with obvious volleyball insight and maybe a little bit of bias as well, what was your first take on hearing that the boys could be coming to town per se as well? Uh, thanks, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I was really excited. It's been something that's been pushed for a lot over the last, few years on the high school side uh it's failed to pass uh three i think two or three times before it finally got approved this uh this week and so it was very exciting and i'm excited to see it uh grow in the northland now i want to talk a little bit about the level of interest the level of passion for it on the men's side of things because you've played fairly high level volleyball obviously as a male and there are a lot like you do you figure this will trickle down to the high school level that interest will be high or do you think it'll take a while to warm up to it um, I think interest is already pretty high. I think if you look across the state, I mean, uh, Minnesota as a whole is already like one of the top 10 highest in terms of boy participation uh, at the high school level. And it's only a club sport. There were over 2,000 boys playing this spring or almost 2,000. I think they were just shy. But even in the, the Northland, we've consistently had club teams uh, for the last few years. And then the the high school club programs, uh, particularly Norseman Volleyball out of the uh, Proctor Hermantown co-op for that has been uh they've consistently had a uh, varsity and JV team for the last three years. Coach, have they decided what season that uh, boys volleyball will take place in? No. So kind of the process right now is now that it has uh, officially been approved, um, there's going to be a committee coming together in June this summer. They're going to be working to figure, determine a season that it's going to be held in. 
and they should be hopefully announcing that near the, uh, I think, late, uh, mid to early fall, hopefully. We should know what season they're planning on putting in, which is going to create uh, issues on either side, but it, uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. It will be, and you mentioned the possibility or the likelihood that it creates issues on either side. Let's say it's put in the fall. Now, logically, and Steve just brought this up during the commercial break and said, well, why not put it in the fall? Because boys and girls basketball share gym time. Why can't boys and girls volleyball do the same? As involved in girls volleyball at the high school level as you've been, what's the reaction been on that side of things already? Well, I think uh, I can make a case for both here. I think putting it in the fall is advantageous because of the gym space availability in terms of managing gym time. The number one issue is going to be officials, though. There's already a shortage of officials in Minnesota right now for fall sports, particularly for everything, yeah. Particularly after 2020, I mean, a lot of matches. Normally, it was a Tuesday Thursday schedule for volleyball, and there's been a lot more Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedulings, and most of that is due to an official shortage. They just can't have every team playing on Tuesday, Thursday when you don't have enough officials to cover it. That's a very valid point. I should have thought of that because of how many times we've had Jim Carnes and others on because there's official shortages in football, maybe not so much in hockey, certainly in basketball, oh, yeah. but hockey's starting to feel it too. Hockey too. I mean, we, especially at the youth levels, we see it a lot because they can't, we have teams that can't even host, you know, just pick up games on the weekend because they don't have the officiating to cover it. So that makes sense. Talking with Nikolai Weens, part of the girls volleyball coaching staff at Duluth East. I mentioned Duluth East for a reason. Obviously, Nikolai, you and I have been affiliated with that school for many years, and we talked about we'll reach milestones together as long as we continue to be affiliated with said school. But school size has got to make a difference, too. Some of these smaller schools have to worry about numbers to even be able to have it. I look at it kind of like wrestling, where there are some areas in Minnesota that have it, and up here, you know, for the Duluth schools, it's it's never been, at least in my lifetime. How many schools in our area do you think really are going to want to or be able to even do this? Well, I think so far we've seen multiple uh, local teams that have club programs that are doing the, the the club competition that the Minnesota Boys Volleyball Association has been running the past, I think, five years now. Um, particularly like Cloquet, Floodwood, uh, Hermantown, Proctor, Duluth East have all had athletes and teams represented. So I think there is definitely interest. Um, and uh, it's just going to be a matter of time to, I think, break through some of the, uh, you know, once it's now an officially sanctioned sport and with it to build that interest behind it, I'm, uh, I think the teams will be there. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because you've done a lot of coaching for the girls at Duluth East and you've played men's volleyball at a high level. I just got to put it out there. If it becomes determined that a Duluth school or maybe just a Duluth team, similar to the Northern Stars for girls hockey, are going to indeed have boys volleyball and there's a coaching spot to be had, you got an interest already? Um, I would definitely be interested. Uh, there's other coaches in the area who've been doing a lot with the boys. Um, you know, Kelly Motzko from Cloquet, Ryan Wright, and Larry Modine with Norseman. I think those guys would be your, your leading candidates, but I would definitely be happy to be involved and help see it grow. And we talked about reactions from, you know, girls volleyball, reactions from other coaches who have spring or fall sports that are worried about losing kids to potentially boys volleyball What's the reaction been like from the kids that you talk about that are playing clubs? They've got to be pretty stoked, quite frankly, that they've got a chance to represent their school and keep playing a sport they love. I mean, a lot of those kids are so excited. I think even the kids who are older who have been doing it for a couple of years and are maybe graduating and know that they won't get to play it as a sanctioned sport, but have been a part of helping it uh, even just be turned into a sanctioned sport has been huge. And in terms of athletes being lost from other sports, I think something that, 
that has been one of the big pushbacks from ABs over the last few votes is that it's going to draw from other sports. But so far, with over 2,000 boys competing in the state, um, 90% of those aren't athletes who are involved in other spring sports. And I think a huge that's been a, a big factor in why it's grown so much. I think that's interesting because if a concern is funding, staffing any of these games, I've already said, you know, close circuit to Sean Road. If he wants an announcer for boys basketball, I'm already doing that. But if he wants an announcer for boys volleyball, I'm into doing the same thing. I think it's going to be super exciting and something that all want to check out. There's got to be a passion for this. So Nikolai, again, fill our listening audience in that may not know. I know you said there's club teams out there, but there's got to be some people that saw this news and said, well, okay, are we just going to have really good athletes say, well, I'm going to give volleyball a try. Where are kids playing boys volleyball right now to prepare for this? Well, I mean, particularly in southern Minnesota is where most of the the players are. But locally, there's two different things that have been the main drivers. One has been the club program through Minnesota North Volleyball, which is where I've coached for the last 10 years. Um, That's a J.O. program, kind of like AAU basketball. Right. Um, and for that, we've had, you know, one, one, to, one to three teams over the last few years consistently with a little downturn during 2020. But, um, and locally for the high schools, a lot of them have been playing and representing just at, as a club sport, much like other club activities within the schools. So there's been a lot of people playing locally and even just open gyms, high school leagues during the summer outdoor. There's a lot of opportunities for these kids to play. So. That's excellent. So, Nikolai, my last question is going to be this. You talked about a committee getting together to make some decisions later on this summer. You've talked logistically about how you think it should go. Would you have a wish list of where this logically fits in for most places? Um, I think as a spring sport, it's going to make the most sense in terms of coaching availability, official availability. The hardest part is going to be gym time, particularly in the northern part of the state with, uh, you know, for those first couple weeks and especially in a year like this year, softball baseball i was gonna say baseball's in the gym for two months right yeah and so i think uh in the spring is going to be the the best path forward in terms of availability for coaches and um officials but it's probably going to be some late practice slots until they find whatever works for a a routine particularly in northern minnesota Nikolai Weens, assistant coach for girls volleyball at Duluth East. Who knows what the future holds for him if boys volleyball becomes a reality in our area. We are getting that much closer. Coach, you are one of the best. Hope to talk to you again soon. Let's not wait till volleyball season gets started. You and I and a beer at Hoops needs to happen at some point. Sounds perfect, Brian. I'll, I'll hit you up next week. That sounds perfect. That is Nikolai Weens. We're talking about going to Hoops. We're going to go to Dave Hoops on the radio next. Northland Sports Page continues. Brian Prudhomme, Steve Petosha, stick around. We will be right back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.